Welcome back to the G3 Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Bice, and today we will be looking at what I believe to be one of the most concerning trends in evangelicalism for quite a number of years now, and it's affecting multiple denominations and multitudes of local churches. What is this trend? Well, it's this idea that people can actually hear the audible voice of God. So it comes to us in sermons. We hear preachers talking this way, saying, God told me. It comes to us in conversations with friends at work or perhaps uh, hanging out with uh, next door neighbors, you know, over the weekend, over barbecue. It comes to us in books and blog articles. It's common language today. So the question would be, how did we arrive here? How did we get here? Why is this language that God told me so commonplace today within evangelicalism? Well, as you've already heard, Beth Moore has announced her departure from the SBC. This announcement has caused quite a bit of stir within the Southern Baptist Convention and really the whole of evangelicalism. In many ways, this modern-day trend of hearing the audible voice of God within the SBC circles, and especially among evangelical women, can be directly connected to Beth Moore. Through her widely published literature and popular events, Beth Moore has has really emerged, and she has really grown her own ministry platform, becoming a towering figure within evangelical circles. So just to give you an idea, like in 2020, Beth Moore's book, Finding Your Way with a More Fruitful Life, published by Tyndale, sold more than 60,000 copies. But yet, If you took her whole career and you look at all of her publications, Beth Moore has sold millions of books. Yes, millions. Consider the impact that that has had upon evangelicalism as a whole. She has grown a passionate following of committed disciples. And I found that out personally when I critiqued her back in 2016 in an article that I published titled, Why Your Pastor Should Say No More to Beth Moore. However, the pushback I received from from that article and from her followers was really uh, suggesting that I was, quote-unquote, attacking Beth Moore. But that's not actually true. My goal in the article was centered on her troubling theological positions. It was not a critique of her personality. It wasn't a, a critique or an attack on her character. It was a critique on her theological positions. And I still believe that that we must be Uh, of the mindset within evangelicalism, and no matter what denomination that you're a part of, there should be this healthy idea that if you publish something or preach something or state something publicly, that, you know, critique even from peer to peer should be something that we should support. It actually would cause us to be more healthy and and less of, uh, say, falling prey to the troubling theological positions or even cultural ideologies that are so commonplace today. But one of the things that I pointed out in the article back in 2016 was that Beth Moore claims to hear the audible voice of God. Now, there are many examples of her claiming to hear from God directly and, of course, receiving visions from God. So rather than me just simply quoting her, I thought it would be good if I just played a couple of clips from two different events where she was telling stories and, and, and speaking and, and talking about hearing from God and also receiving visions from God. So here she is talking about hearing the actual voice of God. What God began to say to me about five years ago, and I'm telling you, it sent me on such a trek with him that my head is still whirling over it. He began to say to me, I'm going to tell you something right now, Beth. 
And boy, you rock this one down and you say it as often as I give you utterance to say it. My bride is paralyzed by unbelief. My bride is paralyzed by unbelief. And here's another clip of her speaking where she talks extensively about God giving her this this vision of the church as Jesus himself sees the church in a specific dimension, whatever that means. But nevertheless, it's what she talks about vividly of of receiving this, this complex vision on her back porch. Listen to what Beth Moore says. To beg to differ with people that are 10 times smarter than I am. But I want to say to you, I see something different than that. I see God doing something huge in the body of Christ. I do not know why I have had the privilege to get to travel around, see one church after another, one group of believers after another, interdenominationally all over this country, but I have gotten to see something that I think is huge. And I'll also suggest to you, I am not the only one. And tonight I'm gonna do my absolute best to illustrate to you something that God showed me sitting out on that back porch. He put a picture, I've explained to you before, I'm a very visual person. So he speaks to me very often and putting a picture in my head. And it was as if I was raised up looking down on a community as I saw the church in that particular dimension, certainly not all dimensions, not even many, but in what we will discuss tonight, the church as Jesus sees it in a particular dimension. So now why is this so troubling and why is the church uh, falling prey to this idea of God told me language? Well, it should concern us for obvious reasons. If we, can, if we claim that God is communicating to a certain modern day prophet or prophetess, we must at that point come to embrace the idea that the Word of God is at some level insufficient or incomplete. Not only is Beth Moore teaching this and spreading this idea that she regularly hears from God, but other people in mainline entertainment outlets who claim to be Christians are doing the very same thing. It's becoming a very popular trend today. So unless you've been under a rock for the last decade or so, you know the names of Chip and Joanna Gaines. They are the big hit stars of the show Fixer Upper and the founders of the Magnolia Market in Waco, Texas. In many ways, they've put Waco on the map, so to speak. And they're preparing to launch their new show, their new platform, if you will, on the Discovery Plus platform. And they recently sat down with Oprah for an interview. Now, it was during that interview that Oprah was impressed by this idea that Joanna Gaines can actually hear the voice of God. So Oprah asked Joanna to explain how she hears God's voice, and she inquired whether it was a a voice in your head, is it a feeling, or is it prayer? And Joanna Gaines responded by stating, quote, all three of those things for sure, along with an overwhelming presence of peace. Uh, She went on to say this, quote, I will say that there have probably been five pivotal moments in my life where I can say that was God's voice. That was him. And I felt the sense of peace, almost like that moment where you get chills and you know there's something else, end quote. Now, before I go any further, 
we have visited Waco, Texas as a family. We've enjoyed our time there. We've gone a couple of different times, in fact, on family trips. As we were traveling other places, we stopped in and and visited the market. Uh, My wife has watched their show for years. I'm not seeking to demonize Chip and Joanna Gaines in the slightest degree. I think that they seem like really nice people who are doing really good things in their community, but we cannot give a free pass to anyone who is claiming to hear special direct revelation from God, regardless of who they are. It doesn't matter how popular they may be, no matter how nice they seem to be. Uh, If they are claiming to be a Christian and then claiming to hear the direct voice and direct revelation, the audible voice of God speaking to them, then we need to push back on it. We need to examine that according to the Word of God and according to the closed canon position which is the position of historic Christianity. So even in an interview like this with Oprah, you know, just a small little short snippet question that Oprah presses upon them to talk about how they engage with God or how they hear from God, uh, how she answers this question, how Joanna Gaines answers this question is is extremely important because it's going to have a massive impact upon multitudes of people. So there you have it. Beth Moore within the heart of evangelicalism and Joanna Gaines, this this very influential woman in Texas who is followed by multitudes of people, both of these women claiming to hear from God. So now let's examine this according to the historic confession of faith known as the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. Chapter 1 of the Holy Scriptures, paragraph one, states the following, quote, The Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and His will which is necessary unto salvation. Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto his church and afterward for the better preserving and propagating of the truth and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same wholly unto writing which maketh the Holy Scriptures to be most necessary, those former ways of God's revealing His will unto His people being now ceased, end quote. So there you have it. The Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. And the last statement, those former ways of God's revealing His will unto His people being now ceased, namely the idea of direct revelation from God to prophets who would then speak to multitudes of people. Historically, Reformed Christians have embraced the idea that God's Word is sufficient and complete without any mixture of error, being infallible and capable of providing all necessary light and direction for God's will in both the common and daily affairs as well as the corporate gathering and worship of God. Today, that historic doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture has been replaced by a modern-day trend, and this version of prophecy that is both concerning 
and damaging to local churches. Back in 2017, I penned an article on my blog that's now on the G3 network at g3men.org, where I address these issues of direct revelation from God. Now, the article is titled, Please Stop Saying God Told Me. Now, you can go to g3men.org and search for that, or go to Google and search for that, and you'll find it. But although the God told me method of communicating makes for interesting, suspenseful, and entertaining stories, what people need most is to hear from God himself. That's what we really need. So I would like to make a simple request. Please, for the sake of honoring God and for the sake of upholding the sufficiency of Scripture, please stop saying and please stop encouraging other people and condoning this language of God told me, unless the phrase is immediately followed up with a text of Scripture. So the idea that God spoke to people uh, in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament, and, and then arguing from the text of Scripture that we should likewise be able to hear the voice of God, really cannot be substantiated when you look at how God was operating and the purpose for which God was speaking to those individuals. So, for instance, people might say, if God spoke to Moses from a burning bush or to Samuel in the dark of night or to Elijah in a cave or to John the Baptist and others at Jesus' baptism and even to Paul and his traveling companions on the road leading to Damascus, why would God not speak to us today? But really, what we really need to understand is that God is the speaking God, and He does speak to us today. He speaks to us through His authoritative and His sufficient Word. It's strange, really, if you think about it, that many churches and many once bold defenders of the faith, who once stood courageously for the inerrancy of Scripture in the past, frequently employ or at least condone this idea of God told me from pulpits or even from uh, ministry platforms and conference platforms and denominational platforms. I mean, if you just take the SBC itself, I mean, this, this convention that fought a massive war on inerrancy has now crumbled on matters of sufficiency. Now, we don't allow Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses to play the God told me divine revelation card and get away with it. So why should we allow Baptists or Presbyterians or Methodists or mainstream evangelicals to have a free pass on this crucial issue? The fact is we should not. The God told me language majors on our stories rather than God's story. Listen to what John MacArthur writes. He says this, quote, Preoccupied with mystical encounters and emotional ecstasies, many seek ongoing revelation from heaven, meaning that, for them, the Bible alone is simply not enough. Biblical revelation must be supplemented with personal words from God, supposed impressions from the Holy Spirit, and other subjective religious experiences. That kind of thinking is an outright rejection of the authority and sufficiency of Scripture. It is a recipe for far-reaching theological disaster, end quote. For whatever the reason, some people feel compelled to continue to use this, this God-told-me language, God's name, as a stamp of approval for their stories, to maybe add some sort of you know, impact or credibility. Maybe they use the God told me uh, as a decision to move churches, or God told me as a decision to go into to ministry even. 
Or maybe they use the God told me language as a decision to take a job transfer. But, but either way, it's not true. It's simply not true. It's intellectually dishonest, even more troubling. It's a violation of the third commandment. Consider what the scriptures teach. In Exodus 20 and verse 7, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So there you have it. The word of God simply stating clearly that we we should be careful how we use the name of God. Now, we should rightly teach our children, even on text exchanges and social media platforms, we should be cautious not to use the name of the Lord in vain. Even the idea of OMG, which most accurately stands for, oh my God. Now, we should should reject the use of God in that way. It's a, a vain usage of the name of God. And so, in the same way, when people are engaging in relational conversations at work or else, especially in the life of the local church, and people are employing that language God told me, we should push back against that. And we should challenge people to not use God's name flippantly in that regard. We should, we, we should point people to the Word of God and say, this is our sufficient Word. But I want to I really read a portion of Spurgeon's sermon. Now, we all know Charles Spurgeon was not a timid man. He was, he was not a, a bashful individual. He was not afraid of taking on major problems of the day. And it's very evident from a sermon that he preached on October 6th, 1872, titled The Paraclete, where he's dealing with matters of the Holy Spirit. But listen to what Spurgeon said in a bold fashion as I read this, this portion of his sermon. He states the following, quote, Take care never to impute the vain imaginings of your fancy to him, the Holy Spirit. I have seen the Spirit of God shamefully dishonored by persons, I hope they were insane, who have said that they have heard this and that revealed to them. There has not for some years passed over my head a single week in which I have not been pestered with the revelations of hypocrites or maniacs. Semi-lunatics are very fond of coming with messages from the Lord to me, and it may spare them some trouble if I tell them once for all that I will have none of their stupid messages. Never dream that events are revealed to you by heaven. Or you may come to be like those idiots who dare impute their blatant follies to the Holy Ghost. If you feel your tongue itch to talk nonsense, trace it to the devil, not to the Spirit of God. Whatever is to be revealed by the Spirit to any of us is in the Word of God already. He adds nothing to the Bible and never will. Let persons who have revelations of this, that, and the other go to bed and wake up in their senses. I only wish they would follow the advice and no longer insult the Holy Ghost by laying their nonsense at his door. End quote. Well, needless to say, Spurgeon himself is, is not afraid of taking on the problem of the day And he saw this idea of special revelations from God as problematic, even in his day. So imagine what he would say if he were to just take a glance at modern-day evangelicalism. So rather than seeking to hear the audible voice of God over coffee and receiving visions or, or even voices from heaven, we would do better to give our time to rightly 
handle the word of God, to seek to hear God speak to us through his authoritative word. Listen to what 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says. Paul is writing to Timothy, who obviously was serving as pastor in the city of Ephesus, very wicked uh, city in and of itself. And so here's what Paul says. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible is God's word. The Bible is sufficient. And I love what B.B. Warfield once said. He said, he who begins by seeking God within himself may end by confusing himself with God. It's a very important statement. Of course, Warfield is known for his defense of Scripture and his, his teaching on the sufficiency of God's Word. So it is through the Word of God that we hear God proclaim to us the reality of sin. It is from the Scriptures that we hear God declare good news that makes us wise into salvation, and God speaks clearly from His Word to correct us and to warn us of error. So as we continue to hear God speak through His Word, we grow. We grow spiritually. We grow uh, in maturity and in holiness and sanctification in such a way that we are not uh, held captive by these these false ideologies that come to us in our in our day. Every wind of doctrine that blows along is not leading us to the right or to the left. And so it is that we must we must continue to strive to hear the voice of God, but not by clinging to extra biblical revelations. We need to hear the word of God coming from the very text of Scripture. Such words of extra-biblical revelations are impotent sayings. They're powerless. And they're more closely really associated with mysticism than they are Christianity. So I would urge you, I would urge you, brothers and sisters in Christ, to think biblically and to be alarmed when you hear people saying, God told me. If you hear someone saying, God told me, it should not... It should not be something that is normative for you. It should catch you by surprise. It should cause a red flag to go up. Now, unless they're quoting directly from the pages of Scripture, God did not speak to them over coffee or on their back porch. And we must not allow people to continue to use God's name in a way that empowers them to a a platform of authority or manipulates us into doing whatever it is that they claim that God has communicated to them. So I want to urge you, brothers and sisters in Christ, be committed to the sufficient Word of God. And always remember, as John Calvin said, where the Bible speaks, God speaks. May God bless you. Well, thank you for joining us for this edition of the G3 Podcast. We want to point you to our website. That's g3men.org. There you will be able to find archives of this very podcast as well as other important resources and articles that are published on a weekly basis. You will also find information related to our upcoming G3 National Conference that's going to be held September the 30th through October the 2nd in Atlanta. This year's theme is Biblical Christology, and you'll want to join us for this exciting conference. You'll be able to find out information about the speakers as well as hotel properties on our website. We look forward to seeing you with us this coming fall for the conference, but also as you make plans, you'll want to make sure that you arrive on Tuesday if possible. That way you can take part in the pre-conference on September 29th 
and you'll want to find out more details about that. We're going to be releasing that information very soon. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. You'll see those announcements as they are released over the next few days. May God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week on the G3 Podcast.